to The Forbes Factor, featuring celebrity TV host, million-dollar entrepreneur, and renowned health and fitness superstar, Forbes Riley. A familiar face from TV, as well as one of today's most sought-after female motivational speakers today. You'll connect with some of the top experts in health and fitness, business and personal development, as well as some surprise celebrities, all sharing their insight, tips, and tricks to finding true happiness. Now, here's your host, Forbes Riley. Well, hello, 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 everybody. It is Forbes Riley, and you are watching or listening to The Forbes Factor. We're launching today on a brand new network called The Variety Channel on Voice America. So proud to be here. Uh, if you're listening live, yesterday was my birthday, 21 for the something time. I don't know. I love celebrating birthdays. I went off to Universal um, and I'm looking at, I see beautiful Miss McKenna there. McKenna is my guest today. And I'm going to just tuck her into the audience for one real quick second. Hang on. There you go. All right. So I just have to share what we did today, which was just, or yesterday, which was hysterical. All right. Spotlight for everybody. There we go. All right. So yesterday, you know, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I think it's really important. I have this whole legacy, this whole concept called if life happens for you, not to you. And so yesterday, great day. Wake up. I'm with the love of my life. Happy birthday. My kids call me. Everything's great. I want to go to a theme park. I want to be an eight-year-old. I just enjoyed that when I was a kid. So we booked Universal and I booked a hotel right near there. We wake up. We're getting ready to go. We're running a little bit late only to find out the hotel is 30 minutes away. I somehow screwed up the booking. All right, not a big deal. We get there. And here's the crazy thing. We're both in the little scooters because Joshua has a bad ankle. I've recently retorn my knee. And so like little old ladies, of which we're in the little scooters, which by the way, very cool thing to do, right? We get there, the very first ride that we go on, an hour wait. Oh my God, we're standing there and standing there. And it was one of the Hogwarts one. I'd never been on it before. It was brand new. And I'm like, at some point I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. You can't, I don't know how we do this. How do you stand in line for an hour, right? We get on this ride and I can't wait to just share this with my daughter and everyone else. The coolest roller coaster of all time. Not only does it go fast, but it speeds up. It speeds even faster. Takes you to the very end of the sky, drops you backwards, drops you down the floors. It was amazing. The entire day was fun. Uh, really just, I don't know if you be a kid, what do you do on your birthdays? And then at the end of the night, we have to return the scooters by a certain time. It starts to rain. Now, some people go, Oh, well, that's too bad. You know that. Well, here's the thing. I have this visual that I will always have of Joshua and I, the rain is not drickling. The rain is pouring down in buckets. And I wish I could have my phone and we're scooting along drenched. And I thought this is just absolutely miserable or hysterically funny, or amazing, and, you know, life happens for you, not to you. So thank you for all the birthday wishes, and I'm excited to start this next year, this next chapter. My guest today is one of my three favorite people on the planet. I can't say which is the best, because that wouldn't be fair to any of the other two, but they know who they are. And um, she surprised me, and I think she's surprising the world. She is an entrepreneur. She is a visionary. She's a manifester. She's taught me a lot of life lessons. She's the CEO of MGR Dominion, a company that's worth a lot of a lot of money with a lot of students. And I would like to welcome to the stage uh, McKenna Riley. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. So what do you think of the little birthday story there? Kind of funny, huh? It was an interesting- uh, It's definitely cute. I'm so sad I was not a part of that. Well, you were in my mind because that's one of my favorite places that we all went when you and your brother were little. 
with the Transformers and the whole Hollywood thing. And I just, I, I thought about you guys everywhere. And I saw all of these children. I don't know how many adults go to amusement parks on their own, but. I think you'd be surprised. They have like this around the world thing in Epcot where everyone goes and drinks. I think drinking <laughs> is a big thing at amusement parks. Well, I will say it was fun to be in Hogwarts. I, you know, I look around and I wonder why we don't make the rest of life look as magical. Like they have great buildings and it's just awesome and it's interesting and it's otherworldly. And we don't do that in life. We make everything look like a little box and it's average. And it's like, you know, I mean, you've been to Europe. Things look better in Europe, don't they? I think better is relative. Uh, I think it looks different. I think there's definitely a lot more magical aspect to it. I think in the United States, we are capitalist and we are how to get the quickest dime out of what we're building. So I think the architecture of it is not always where we probably would like it to be because it's about how many houses can we put out or how many buildings can we put together. Well, did you find it amazing? Because we've been to we've been to Rome, we've been to Europe together, that all of a sudden you're driving in a city and then you see ruins that are thousands of years old in the middle of the city. Sure. Yeah, mm. it's definitely it definitely goes to show how much of a little baby our country is. <laughs> well, speaking of babies, uh, you are mine. And I look at you and I go, wow. And I probably I don't know if I should say that or not, but you're definitely my daughter, uh, you and your twin brother. And we decided to do something very unusual. And so today I really want to focus on that because I think as you're listening to this, you're going to be a little surprised about the conversation. Uh, McKenna and I started a business two, almost three, three years ago. Yeah, and, three years in like May is June. Yeah, and I've gone through an interesting evolution. But this conversation today is designed for you in a variety of ways. One, if you're an entrepreneur, you want to listen to this. Two, if you're a seasoned business burner and you're a little jaded, definitely want to listen. If you are a, a person who's going to leave the corporate world to be on your own, you definitely want to listen. How to evolve, and as we like to say, how every company needs a kid. McKenna, what does that phrase mean to you? Wow. I mean, Forbes, why don't you tell them an incredible story about Spin Gym? You tell it better than I do. Oh, all right. Well, you know, I could go back about how, who you are in the, all right. You know what? Let me go back. Hi, everybody. I'd like you to meet one of the most exciting young entrepreneurs I've ever met in my entire life. And I've met a lot of people in my world. And so I would like to present to you, Miss McKenna Riley. McKenna, would you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is McKenna Riley. I am 20 years old, as many people are always wondering. So I thought I'd just get that out of the way. I run a seven-figure business with my beautiful mother, Forbes Riley. I started my first business when I was 12 years old. I started a dropshipping company. I attended something. It was a marketing college. It's no longer around. I wish they still did things like this, but they don't. And I went to a conference with my mother and they were selling this $10,000 marketing college. And I was like, mom, I have to go, please. And she was like, no way. I already pay a bunch of money for you to go to school, for clothes, for this. Children are not inexpensive. And that is not something I factored into our bills this year. And I was like, mm, okay, I'll figure out how to get there. And I learned through, uh, throughout this conference that people who purchased this package could invite one friend for free. And I said, hmm, I need to be someone's free friend. So we were at a dinner and I'm talking to everybody, I said, who here is going to this marketing college, wants a plus one, I will, everything I learn, I'll help implement to your business. I actually had some people fight over me to do, which I was so honored, 12 years old. Um, but people saw potential in a young person in technology because I'm really good with technology. I was coding at that time. I was in robotics. I was, I, I really enjoy the computer. And so this one guy named Lewis 
said, yes, you're coming with me. I said, great. And I went to this college. Now, here's the thing about the concept, every company needs a kid. I had no business experience before that. I've watched my parents in business. I understand basic principles of you pay something, they make money, there should be a profit in there somewhere, revenue. I knew the basic things, but nothing, not how to run a business, not how to do a business. And so I went to this marketing college and I took all these courses, email marketing, funnel marketing, uh, how to build a Shopify store, how to do drop shipping, how to do inventory. And I went and I implemented exactly what they told me to do. And I made $10,000 in a month drop shipping photo lenses for a phone. Now, the reason I believe I was successful in this now looking back upon this is because I had no previous knowledge in it. I didn't have, oh, well, that doesn't work. And this works and this funnel page. And we need to use this software and all the concerns about it. Or I didn't even know that I had to pay taxes on money. That was kind of a foreign concept at that time. But I just, I implemented what I was like, okay, this is how they do it. Let me do it the exact same way. And so one of the things about every company needs a kid is there's a little bit of that night. You're a little naive. You don't know what you don't know. Um, you don't have these limiting beliefs stopping you from doing things. And so I believe that's one of the reasons I was so successful. I also said a lot of, I don't, I don't have limiting beliefs like, oh, I can't do this. It's not possible. I don't have the time. I simply went for it. And so that kind of launched my career into digital marketing. I've done many different drop shipping ventures and funnels. And then about three years ago, COVID hit. I'm stuck at home. My mother had her first month of not working. And for my mother, she's traveling once a month, sometimes more than that. She was always going around infomercials, TV shows, award shows, whatever it would be. And for my mother to sit home for a month, she was going crazy. She's like, McKenna, I need to do something. And I was like, okay, let's see, what can we do? And I said, do you want to let's start a business? And I said, if you focus on one thing, one business, because this woman has a fitness business, a skincare business, a hosting business, a real estate business, a bingo, like, I mean, you go down the list, it doesn't stop. And so I said, look, if you focus on one business with me, I promise I'll make you a million dollars in a year. And she said, you know what? I have nothing else going on. Let's do it. And so we did. And that's where Forbes Riley Media was born. Now the Forbes Factor and uh, just a beautiful student base has come out of this. And I truly believe that I've helped Forbes reach a portion of her dreams. We have a lot more dreams to cover and a lot more things to make a reality. Um, but now here we are. And I'm just happy to be doing it with the most amazing, incredible human in the world that I also get to call my mom. And wow, that becomes my very best birthday present of all time. You know, I, I think when you have children, I, I had you guys at 42, like I had a really good life up until that point. And then it all kind of fell apart between 9-11 happening. I lost both my parents within a year. There was a lot of tragedy that happened in my early 40s. And I thought, I really just want to make my life matter. And I was so blessed to, to get pregnant with twins and they turned out very healthy which again, definitely a miracle when you're 42 years old. But I don't think when I had this, this wish of, I want a baby, that's what young women want. I want a baby. You don't think about, I want a friend. I, I'm going to start to cry. You, I want a business partner. I want someone to share my life with. And the best part of my life turned out to be those next 10 years from 42 to 52, where I got to show the world to these two little kids who just were so eager. And, and then it morphed into something else, you know, this, this business concept. And so I don't want to dwell on it, but I will say that if you're a mom or a, you want to be a mom or a dad, really dig down about who you're raising 
or who you want to have in your life because it's extraordinary. And I can't guarantee that every kid turns out great. But Kenny, if you could, though, share one or two principles that maybe you learned. See, it's, what's so interesting talking to you now is that we experienced the exact same time frame the last 20 years, only you have a very different perspective of it than I do. And I forget that sometimes talking to you. And so now that you're at this point and your brother's in college, you guys are great friends. You traveled together last year. Who, what brother or sister traveled together here through Europe with not an itinerary, with not a group? You did it on your own because your parents taught you some things. What do you think one or two of those would be that a parent could really think about if they've got young children? Uh, like what to focus on? Like what worked for you? What would work that you, wow, you know, I learned this from my mom and dad, or I didn't learn this. Or I wish they'd done that or the reason I'm the way I am. Oh, um, I think one of the things I thank my parents a lot for is that they let us make mistakes and they let us find our own way doing things. They let us go out with our friends. They let us try different ventures. Like if we wanted to do a business thing, they wouldn't discourage us. They wouldn't necessarily encourage us. It was indifferent to them. They said, hey, you want some help? Okay, here, we can set this up for you. Um, but they always encouraged me to follow what I wanted to do. But they they were not helicopter parents. And I think a lot of parents helicopter their kids with the best intentions, and it ends up really screwing up your kid. And I think that's something parents could really learn because I watched my friends who had helicopter parents who couldn't go out to do who had their parents in their nose all the time. Like, for example, my parents never knew what my grades were till the end of the semester. Unless they got a, a message home from a teacher, they trusted that we had the whereabouts to get our work done. And if we needed help, we would come to them. And I was a straight A student. Um, even when I wasn't a straight A student, I was one of those people that have B's and C's and D's for the beginning of the semester. And then by the end, the last three weeks, I managed to shape it around into A's. And to my parents, that's all that mattered. It didn't matter about the fact that we had that, but I was also responsible enough. But the reason I believe I got to that point is because I was given that freedom. And then something my parents never did, which is such a, we talk about this a lot with parents, is they never grounded us. Uh, they never said like, go sit in your room for a month because my mom was like, you guys love sitting in your rooms. Why would I punish you by making you go sit in the place that you already like to go. Um, so what they did is they just expressed their disappointment in us. And I will tell you, there's nothing worse than having someone you care about be disappointed in you to be like, why would you do that to really like to really dive in and talk about like, what were the reasons you did that? What was the reasons that you went out or you lied to us or you did this? And I mean, man, what a form of reverse psychology tactic, like child warfare. I would ground myself. I would be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't know. I didn't mean to, I didn't think about that. I was doing this to the family. I didn't think about the consequences my actions had. And I would end up grounding myself. My dad would be like, do you guys, do you want to go out with friends? I'd be like, no, I need to stay home. I need to, I need to chill for a little bit. And so I think combination of those two things I don't I never saw many other parents do that I saw them ground their kids and do that and when you do those things you build a resentment up against your parents and I never resented my parents I actually thank them very much because I would not be the person I am today without their tough love but wow I mean the most 
thing I'm most thankful for is that they weren't helicopter parents because I think if they controlled me and when I was in high school, I went out, I went to parties, I did all the high school things, but I don't have any need to do that now because I felt like I had the freedom to do it. And I felt like I have the safety that if I made a mistake, I'd have my parents to help me. And when I see a lot of kids now who are in college, their parents were helicoptering them the entire time. And then they finally get this taste of freedom and they go crazy, like really crazy. I'm watching videos from my friends in college going, you're doing what? So I think that for parents, new parents, people who are parents to really think about how what you think is protecting your kid is actually affecting them and hurting them in their life and how they will react and be part of life, how it doesn't actually serve them. I remember your brother saying just recently, he's like, you guys did something so crazy. You would make us punish ourselves. And I thought, yeah, well, first of all, I don't believe in hitting children. I think that's not cool. I didn't get (laughs) Well, well, every once in a while you get a little excited and you do something with a little one, but yeah. I mean, yeah, but I, uh, but okay. Again, though, I don't necessarily agree. I got some really good spankings in my childhood, Sorry, (laughs) not to expose you. And I don't, but I don't blame you for it. I'm not mad at you about it. I, I think there is, you're not supposed to beat your children. There's yeah. a difference between giving them a tap on their butt going, it, because you How about a flick on the head when every time a you flick on, the, the you know, I, when I was younger, I wasn't allowed to say the word bored. If yeah. I said I was bored, my mother would flick me and she goes, do you know how hard I work and how much you have? You're bored. What are you bored about? Look at all those toys. Like, we could not but I think that out. Well, your brother's just thought it was very interesting that I would make you come up with your own punishment because I didn't want to be the bad guy. I didn't do anything wrong here. All of a sudden, you did something wrong. I'm just to get all angry. And I will tell you that you coming up with your own punishments about how to clean your room or how to do some chores, I think made you wildly responsible adults. And that was my goal. I think my parents did the same thing to me. I remember going off to college. I was one of the only kids I know that didn't go nuts. I'm like, I could have drank at home if I wanted to, or I could have done that at home if I didn't want to. Why would I want to now? So that's really good advice. And I think another thing my parents did, and this is a good example of my father, is they never told us not to do anything. They just told us what the consequences of doing that would be. So for example, when I wanted to get my ears pierced, my dad didn't want me to get my ears pierced, but he didn't say that. He went, okay, you want to get your ears pierced? Let's go look this up. And he showed me all the infections and things that can happen to your ear if the ear pierce gets infected. And so I went, you know what, dad, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I think I'm going to wait. And he got what he wanted, but he let me come to my own conclusion. Eventually I did get them pierced, but I waited longer. But I think that's also something I really respect my parents about is they let us come to our own. Same thing with alcohol. If I wanted to have alcohol growing up, I could. But my mother explained to me, here's what happens when you drink alcohol. Here's what happens to your liver. You end up getting fat. Oh, and then not only you are now intoxicated and horrible things happen to intoxicated people. Listen to these stories about women who got intoxicated going out. And they showed me the consequences of what doing those things are. Now, I might have a a sip of wine or something, but... I have no want to go get intoxicated and go out and party because I have a full understanding of that. My parents would be like, sure, go do what you want, but here's what can happen. 
And I think that was the best thing ever because what it allowed me to do is come to my own conclusions and that will forever be more powerful over my choices than my mother going, you can't go out. That's, I think that's brilliant. And I think a lot of kids and a lot of parents could have this conversation. You know, you often talk about parenting doesn't come with a rule book. It doesn't even come with classes, not real classes. Um, and I'm not sure how we would educate more young people about how to raise their kids, but uh, I love listening to this conversation. So it turned out well, pretty- I think it's needed because I literally hear every parent go, there's no handbook on parenting. And I'm like, oh, I think there could be. And I, I know today a lot of people are kind of messing with their kids because they're putting them on social media now. And now these kids are growing up from a young age and being like, I, I go, I don't like, it's really interesting. You watch kids that were like three, four, five years old, grew up on Instagram, have got five, 10 million followers. And now who are teenagers being like, I hate this. I don't want to be doing this anymore. I want to get out of the limelight. So there's definitely an interest. Someone needs to step in and kind of start helping parents out because also with social media and iPhones, like how do you navigate all that? I watch my got a five-year-old stepsister and I look at her and I'm like, girl, I am, I don't know what high school is going to look or middle school is going to look like for you or when you're supposed to get social media or an iPhone or I just, I think there's a lot of unlike older parents, like for example, for you trying to talk to a person who's raising a kid in today's day and age is a much different conversation because the iPhone didn't even come out till I was in like, like people really didn't start adopting the iPhone till I was like in eighth grade high school. So then of course I got one and that's like the right time to get a phone. But now I'm watching kindergartners have cell phones and call their mom on their iPhone 14. And I'm like, this is going to be interesting. We're going <laughs> to. It definitely is interesting. I do love the idea that I can call you guys. I think there's something that was a beautiful freedom. But then when you realize how social media is portraying kids and looking in role models, and it's a very scary world about that. I yeah. want to talk about for a second, you know, when I grew up, I was always older than my age. I loved hanging out with adults. I didn't really like kids my own age talking about those kind of subjects. I think I pushed a little bit of that on or you evolved into that because you are in business. This is not a joke about how in business you are. You started a company, we'll and we'll tell the story if you want. We made five figures our very first day in business and six figures our first month. Pretty unheard of about how it went down uh, with no, with little or no investment. That's the other thing that's really important to understand. It's not like I said, well, let's put up a million dollars. No, we did it on our own with, you know, we had a house and a computer and the desire. Um, but a lot of people look at you and go, oh, you're 20, you know, that's nice. And I tell the story um, about, you sitting with your grandma when you were in your teens and you said, or she said to you very lovingly, your need, my, your cousin is making $16 an hour at a clothing store. You really should consider and apply, you know, and you said to me, what? You, oh, well, yeah. you said, you said to me, mom, how do I nicely say to her? I'm going to own the store. I'm not going to work in it. Um, and you said something like that. And you're, and I remember her eyes, like me. And her eyes just glazed over. Like, what are you talking about? You're going to own the company. We tell the story too. You, we, we were called into the guidance counselor because I got a message one day saying your daughter's being disruptive in tech class or technology class. I'm like, okay. Oh yeah, I wasn't okay. First off, wasn't being disruptive. We got called in for a weekly, uh, not weekly, like a quarterly, semesterly. Better story meeting. though, with you being disruptive. My daughter doesn't want to do a resume. She yeah, says, but that makes me sound like a, like I'm like a I was raging out. No, I wasn't. All I did was we were in a tech class. We were making job just we were making resumes and we right. were make, picking out what careers we wanted. And they asked me what my dream job was, and I said I don't dream of labor. 
I don't dream of working for somebody else. I don't dream of building somebody else's corporate dream. Um, I don't, and that's and that's not what I'm going to do. And I'm not making a resume. I'm never going to need it. So why would I spend my time creating it? I'd rather sit here and do homework. And, and so my teacher got really upset. You need to you need to get a job. You need to have a salary. And I said, no, I'll never need that. It's not my path in life. And so I politely rejected the exercise, which you're not supposed to do in school because you're supposed to do what you're told to do and raise your hand and say yes and no, whatever. Um, but that was one thing I wasn't budging on because I believe in manifestation. And I believe if I made a resume and started talking about it, I would manifest whatever BS that was going to be that I wanted no part in. So I just politely declined. And then, yes, that came up during our teacher conference. Well, I got I got quite uh, excited by this concept because that's my girl. That's what I would want my kid to say. I was very excited by this. And of course, the, the guidance counselor had no idea what we were talking about. And she said, well, you know, your daughter's not going to make a resume because she, you know, she has to get a job after school. And I very clearly said, no, she doesn't. And I, I don't remember how detailed we got into this, but it was something along the lines, at least I remember it, uh, that I... She has a job. How much money do you make as a teacher? Or and she's like, you know, I said, well, you don't even need to tell me. It's it's a low five figures. It's 30, 40, 50, 60 thousand dollars. I said, what if I told you that my daughter was already online doing business and made that in a month, what you're making in a year? And I I remember just the the expression just going, what? And I think the whole concept is just being disruptive, is that in a, in a positive way. I, I believe now, having watched you guys go through high school and myself going through it, that we really are, that that institution is designed to teach you to get a job. I remember when I graduated, I didn't know what to do with money. In fact, I was so bad at my checkbook way back when that I had to go to the ATM machine to figure out how much money I had because I didn't know one ever taught me checking. They don't teach you personal, I know, how we're correct. They don't teach you personal relationships. A lot of things they don't teach you in school. And it's funny because I sat in a mastermind not long ago and it was like, well, you know, they should do that in school and they should do this in school. And I said, no, they're never going to do that in school. No. School is designed to do exactly what it does. So you talked about having an education after school or, you know, that was really much more informative. We now have a company that is designed and dedicated to do what we think is important in the world. And that's to give everyone options to understand that you can make money without having a job. I think that's part of a crazy concept, isn't it, McKenna? It definitely is. I think school's meant to teach people to get jobs. And now here's the thing, and here's where a lot of people get confused when I talk, is I believe certain people should get a job. I don't have anything against jobs. It's just not for me. It's not my path in life. It's not what I'm going to do. Um, but school is designed the way it is to create workers. And we have to have workers in our society. We need to have someone manning the gas station and at the store and at making food in the kitchen and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but there is a that's a reason why they won't teach it in school. And so I look at a lot of adults who, I mean, go back to just project management. They don't teach you in school how to project manage yourself to get your work done. I figured it out. I have a whole e-agenda. I never once logged into my school portal because I didn't rely on them telling what homework and tests I had because like 50% of the time they were wrong. So I, I had like this whole note system and class system on my phone to organize myself. No one taught that to me. I'm just naturally an organized person. Where Forbes, not naturally organized, would need someone to tell her. Oh, I still have papers, so well. McKenna. I, you should see my desk compared to McKenna's. I still have papers and little notes. You know what's wild about that, Forbes, is I don't have a desk because I don't have papers and all that stuff. I am 
So I, I have my stuff together. I know what needs to get done. I actually need to redo it because there's a lot going on. But here's what I'm trying to get at. <clears throat> School doesn't teach you how to manage your money. Doesn't teach you how to manage yourself. It doesn't teach you how to be, it doesn't teach you how to be a good person in society. It, there's a lot of things. It doesn't teach you how to have a relationship with people. It doesn't teach you how to communicate with people, how to get your ideas across all of pretty much the life essential things that I believe lead to a happy life. They don't teach you when you have a handle on your finances, <clears throat> you have a handle on your time, you have a handle on your relationships with the people around you, your life will become exponentially better. So looking at that, of course, school's not going to teach you that because if you stay miserable and you work, you're great. That's why you need continuing education. And I think that is so important. I look at all our students and I go, congratulations. You have broken through the metric, the matrix <clears throat> and realized that you didn't learn everything you needed to learn through your high school and college education and that you actually have to continue your education. A lot of people stop learning after college or after their bachelor's degree and they go, I know everything I need to know. You know a fraction of what you need to know. And with today's technology and what's going on, everything changing. It used to be 20 years. Now it's five years. Now it's like three months. So as an adult, looking into the world, wanting to become a better person, wanting to understand your finances, you need to do continuing education. And that's one of the reasons that we started an education company, because there is a massive lack of that. And then there's also a massive lack of people who are qualified to teach it. And I think that is a really big thing. One of the reasons I love doing business with Forbes, she is our head coach. She is the brilliant mastermind around what we do. Here's what I don't understand. How do you go to college to learn how to do business from a professor who's never been in business? Explain that one to me. Explain how you're gonna teach me how to create a startup company, get funding and do all that, and you've never done it yourself. That makes no sense. Same thing in the coaching world, though. How are you going to teach me to have a seven-figure <clears throat> seven business and you've never had a seven-figure business? And that's why we need to be really skeptical about our coaches. What I love is I look at Forbes and she, we teach pitching, sales, communication. The woman's gross $2.5 billion in sales. I bet she knows something. And I bet if she could teach it to you, it could change your life. And so looking at that, you go, wow, that's someone who's not just talking about it, who didn't just read it out of a workbook, but everything that she teaches and preaches, she figured out over 40 years of experience. And personally, I like to learn from other people's experiences because I, if you read it out of a textbook, that's great. How do I know it actually works? And so looking at Forbes, there is no better of a pitching, sales, communicating, branding expert than Forbes Riley because she's got a 40-year career to back it up. And that's what we need to think about when we're going to education, continuing education. Who's actually educating us? What's the information we're getting? I mean, it's a whole slew of things, but finance, um, communication, and relationships, those are things that we should be focusing on as a society because it's something no one ever teaches you. Well, and I and I applaud you for saying that, for acknowledging it, and and for seeing it at such a young age how important that is because it is definitely become my passion. I had no desire to teach any of this. I was, to McKenna's point, 
a lot of, you know, people say people who teach don't do, or if you don't do teach it. In my case, I totally understand that. I was so busy doing. And at one point I had a very thriving pitching career uh, between infomercials and products, certainly top of my game, <clears throat> sorry. And at some point what happened was you get a little bit older and my agent, I gave him a hundred thousand dollar contract to negotiate. And he calls me two days later and he says, yeah, I got some good news and some bad news. I said, okay, give me the good news. He said, they love you. I'm like, of course they do. I'm brilliant. <laughs> and he says, I said, what's the bad news? He said, yeah, well, they want a younger, less expensive version of you. And it was like, okay. And I found it for them, but here's the good news. They want you to teach that person how to do what you do. And I remember saying to myself in my early 40s going, I ain't never teaching this stuff. It's too good. And fired him as an agent because I thought it was rude and horrible. And I also realized there's a way of the world. You know, you have jobs, you lose jobs, you do age out or whatever that, I guess, I don't know. Jane Fonda is all turning 83. And as far as I can tell, she did five movies this year, not aging out if you don't want to and don't believe that you have to. Um, societies is all kinds of things. And I don't know who they are, but as my ex-partner used to say, they have their head up their ass. They will tell you, McKenna, you're too old to do this. You're a girl. They'll tell me I'm too old to do this. You're a they, you have to stop listening to them. They don't know what they're talking about. And every time you bust the model, like an Elon Musk, just says, I'm going to space. Well, they say you can't do that. Well, guess what? I love this hashtag, watch me. And so I didn't have any desire to teach this. I loved pitch. I love this concept. And Tim McKenna said, you know, your legacy is not you doing it, but you elevating other people to do that. And one of the things our company works on is communication skills. I haven't heard a lot of ums and you knows and likes from McKenna because she chooses to, her words very specifically as we do in our company. You listen to a lot of people talk nowadays and it goes something like, well, actually like, you know, I'm like in business and like, it's just so good because you know what we're, and you go, I'm sorry, what are you saying? And to be intentional and to understand the purpose of when you're in a conversation, to understand how to get what you want, to understand how to make sales. To, and sales is everything. Pitching is everything. When you wake up in the morning, honey, could you rub my neck? He says, yes, that's a pitch. McKenna, would you clean your room? If she says yes, that's a pitch. Why would you want to do that? Because you got the other person to want to do something as opposed to telling them they need to. And you know, it's funny listening to you. It goes back to the whole punishment thing. I don't need to punish you. I need you to want to not do the behavior again. And there's a very different philosophy in that. And it involves very passionate people who start thinking for themselves. I said to someone the other day, uh, when one of our students like, oh, I've got such a problem doing this and problem doing that. I said, so, let's stop. What do, you, what do you have a problem doing and what are you struggling with? Do you know that to be a CEO, to be an entrepreneur, which is to McKenna's point, is not for everybody. You solve problems all day, every day. Every day is a new headache. How do you do this? What do you do? Is that what you do, McKenna? Solve problems? Yes. Yeah, I call myself a glorified problem solver. <laughs> And if you're not comfortable with that, you should work with or for someone. And I love what you said. Not everyone. You know, that's a great point. As I'm teaching GSD, I teach a series of trainings to accept the caveat to my teaching is I only teach things that I do and work. So I actually have to do it, make it work. Like, okay, you should try this. Um, I talk to a lot of people who I don't necessarily think should own their own business. It's a big headache. It's not as easy as it might be. And a lot of people, oh, but you're profitable. You make a lot of money. That's right. nice at all. But how much of your life are you giving up in your sanity to do that? And how are you actually enjoying the process? Because at the end of the day, 
your business isn't saving for your Roth IRA, your SEPTA. It's not preparing a future for you where maybe working for a company helps you save for retirement. In a business, you have to worry about not only what's going on in the business, the product, the service, the finance, the delivery, the the emails coming back and forth, the people who are working for you, the legal liability. I mean, you go down the list of headaches. We, I personally, because Forbes doesn't like to do it, I have to deal with on a daily basis. A, a, there's a new problem. There's a new something going on every single day. And if you are not someone who can pivot, and if you're not someone who can make decisions, a huge part of my job is decision-making. At the end of the day, for almost everything we do, I have the final say because Forbes is like, well, I like this and I like this. McKenna, choose one. Or some of my teams like we can do this or we can do this. McKenna, what do you want to do? Oh, we have this marketing strategy or this. What do you want to do? We want to hire this person or this person. Who you want to hire? I make decisions. I probably make 100 decisions a day on what needs to get done, where we need to go, what this needs to be. And so if you're not someone who can make a decision and accept the consequences of your decision and take the, and you accept it. I go with my team. I go, look, I made this decision. This is on me. Now we did this collectively, but at the end of the day, it was my final saying, I take responsibility. If you're someone who cannot take responsibility, you might not want to be the CEO, the leader. These are all qualities of leaders that you have to really think about. Now, here's where our society went really wrong. Just because you aren't a leader doesn't mean you're not a great person, doesn't mean you're fulfilling your destiny. Just because you are following someone else's lead does not make you any less great, amazing, purposeful. I mean, we really have to get this stigma out of our head that everyone needs to be a leader. We need to do leadership training. Not really. I have someone on my team who was a very successful business owner. She had a blog. She was the number one blog in England. She wrote a book. She was killing it. And she realized she was absolutely miserable because she didn't like being the leader. So she went back into the workforce and now she works for our company and she loves it. She gets told what she needs to get done every day. She's got a set salary. She knows how much money she's going to make. She knows how many hours she has to work. Where I'm over here going, who knows what the salary is going to be this year? It depends on how good the business does. And now we've got, I've got to work my entire life away because no one's going to work as hard as I'm going to work for my own business. And I'm going to do all these things. And I, I really respect her for doing that because she recognized that she didn't like the responsibility of it, the decision-making of it. It was not for her. And that to me is the smartest thing she could have ever done. And so for a lot of us, we have to think about, do we really want to be business owners or do we just want a side income? Those are two very different things. All right. So to that point, and I'm going to layer this on, I think what you just said is brilliant. Most of my career, I did not have a product. I think it was genius. I was the spokesperson, which means I was the influencer. I was the affiliate marketer. Nowadays, people would give me a product. I did almost 15,000 different products and say, Forbes, we're selling this today. Great. Write the pitch and you perform it. You take it out to the world. Next day, it would have been this product. Next day, it didn't matter to me. I was brilliant at understanding how my job and my job, which is crazy, was to deduce why someone wants to buy whatever it is that we're holding in our hands. I'm very, very good at that. Uh, the irony is I, when I finally made my own product, because everyone seems to want their own product, oh my God, the headaches. Can I tell you, inventory, customer service, deal relationships, then pay. There are so many complicated issues. Now, here's something very interesting that McKenna just said. She is the CEO of our company and more of a decision maker because I realized that I don't want to have my own company. I don't want to be the leader 
I want to be the teacher, the coach, the inspiration, the visionary, and the video part. There's things that I love doing, but I'm going to share with you. And I think we both learned this at a very tender age for both of us. My career was kind of shifting because the world was shifting and no more infomercials. And McKenna was coming of age and she already had in her brain. And if you are this person, you need to identify this. Implementer, organized, decision maker, leadership qualities, wanting to do that. And when a visionary comes together with an implementer, then you have a genius business. You are yeah. just one of them and it's a struggle. McKenna, take that away. Yeah, for sure. So there's two parts of a business. I mean, you look at the top 500 corporate companies in the United States and every, almost every single business has two people at the top. It's very rare that you see one person. And the reason for that is there's two leaders in a business. There's the visionary and there's the implementer. The visionary has a million new ideas, wants to go talk to the world. They're the ones who keep the spirit of the team alive. They're the ones who rally everyone on, say awesome things, new ideas. And then the implementer, it's almost like a Debbie Downer at some points. It's like, mm, we can't do that. That's not reasonable. Our financial budget doesn't hold that. Okay, Forbes, you want to do this idea? All right. And then I lay out, okay, here's all the steps we need to do it. Here's the people we need to do it. And then I pass out everyone's jobs. And so when you look at that, a lot of people struggle in their business because they're the visionary. They're not an implementer and they have a bunch of new ideas and Forbes. Oh my God. Forbes comes to me every week and she's got, I've got a new idea. We're going to do this, this, and this. I'm like, okay. And this is my all time favorite line. I learned this from one of my coaches is if you want to do this, we can't do that because we don't have the capacity to do both. Which one do you want to do? And it always puts her in a corner to be like, I want to do this one to keep going with what we're doing. And it, but as a visionary, and that's what's beautiful about her thought process is because she usually ends up making the idea we're working on better from a new idea that she wants to go down. And for a lot of visionaries, I call it the entrepreneurial butterfly syndrome. It's where you see a brilliant new things every day. Oh, look at this software. Look at this software. Look at this course. Look at this mentor. Look at this program. And you like, you're all over the place. And it's like, what? You can't, you can't run a business like that. That's not realistic. And that's why visionaries are not, they're not the best business owners if they don't have an implementer. And an implementer can either be a business partner or can be someone you hire. Because if you see companies who only have one person at the top, then they usually hired their implementer. They're usually the visionary. But look, you can't be in business without a visionary. So don't get upset about that. Don't be like, oh, I'm totally one of those people. I'm never going to be successful. That's not true. You just need a little bit of help. Because here's the thing. I'm an implementer at heart. I know I'm speaking on stage right now and I've got my own products and my beautiful visionary mother is turning me into a visionary. Um, <laughs> no, she's got a bunch of visions for me that I'm, I, I implement. And implementing. I do. You're implementing them. I'm an implementer. She goes, McKenna, you should do these courses about this. Oh, you know, Forbes, you're right. Let's do that. Well, okay. And I, cause we're going to run out of time and I don't want to run out of time guys. This is really important. Most of you, most of the entrepreneurs who come to me in my world are visionary based and you're going to need this side of your implementer. And you need some, have somebody you trust who puts systems in places, who does this. Otherwise I probably struggle for about 10 years with lots of ideas. How do you know that you are a visionary? You have more than one idea. You literally start saying, well, I've got this idea for a book, but, or I see this new program, but that means- Here's the, the great example of that is Forbes has 10 book ideas and I have one book idea. There's, 
But it's funny because as we're sitting here talking, I think I have another book for you. And the book would be, sorry, the book would be how to be the implementer for a visionary. Because I didn't, you know, how to architect, because you, we were, you're working on a book right now called Every Company Needs a Kid. And I'm thinking every company needs a McKenna. <laughs> it's just true. And then as I told one of our team members is on a link here, she's on Facebook that you were talking about earlier. Every company also needs executors. See, this is really important, which I don't think, again, everybody doesn't need their own company. Trust me, it is an, it's a nightmare if nothing gets done. But having an excellent executor who gets the ideas out, that is to me, for all of our company, one of the most fulfilling jobs I've ever seen. Because McKenna can make decisions and I can have ideas, but until it's done, it's nothing. And I and used to be the one who would stay up all night and all day, weeks on end, getting things done. Right. And then when you actually hire a team of people who execute, you're like, wow, life just got a lot easier. We're getting a lot done a lot quicker and I'm not pulling my hair out. And I don't know if you guys realize how pale I am, but I don't go out and see the sun so much. <laughs> oh, <look at> <laughs> I know, I was looking at that too. <laughs> I think maybe it's just the filter. Mm. Wow, I, I will say that we covered a lot of things today and a lot of important things. You know, I think this is an interesting conversation between you and I about things that we've learned from business so far. Also just being women. Do you think the world is fair to women right now? Um, do I think the world is fair to women right now? That is such a controversial question, and I'm sadly going to have to answer no. I do not believe it's fair towards women. I, I don't feel think that it's ever been. what? I don't think it's ever been. It's why it's why there's things like equal rights amendments. It's like women, we we do have to seem to fight to be taken seriously. You fight to be taken seriously because of your age, don't you? I, I, get, I fight to be taken serious because of my age, how I look. I mean, I, I think I, as a woman in business, you are already looked down upon. You know, people make jokes all the time. They make jokes like women belong in the kitchen and women need to do this. And they're joking. And, I, and for those of you listening, this, I have quotations in there. They're joking. But, you know, you say something enough. You don't, I'm like, I don't think you're joking anymore. I think we need to rethink how we talk about women, how we look at women, especially young women. How, when I say I work online in business, why does everybody think that I do OnlyFans? Why do they think that the only thing that I could make money on online in business as a young woman is selling pictures of myself? That, I mean, if you really want to get down to it and what makes me angry about it, those are some of the things that every time that I say I'm in business, someone goes, well, are you, who, who's helping you? Like, you can't be doing this on your own. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't know who you are. You know nothing about me and you're already underestimating me. You're already telling me that there's no way I could be doing this. And so I look at people who look down on women and there are women who look down on women um, and they, and we fight with each other, but here's the thing. I'm in a, I'm in a, like that you said, hashtag watch me. I have a company full of women. I think women are the most underrated people ever. And in women are creators, women create families. You go through villages. I, I listened to this one guy who does this popcorn charity. He goes around Africa and he does this popcorn movie thing. He raises money for villages. He talked to me about the difference in the villages that were run by women and were run by men. 
And women are family oriented. They care about the people. There's not as much greed when you talk about it. And of course, this is not true across all bases, guys. I'm just saying as in a generalized way. And, you know, I think in the next 20 to 30 years, women are going to make a massive storm because I have no tolerance for anybody telling me that I can't do something because I'm a woman. I completely block them out of my vision. And I'm like, have fun watching me through your phone screen because I'm going to be so wildly successful and do everything I've ever gender of who I am does not matter. And you will learn that. Um, so I think we're def there's definitely a change coming. I mean, if you look at over 60% of households in the United States, the, um, the breadwinner are women. Women are becoming the sole earners now. And there's a big shift coming. And I think a lot of us are not prepared for it. And we definitely need to work on the corporate side of women. But women in business, we got it going on. And my company is almost all women. We've got a couple of men sprinkled in there. We love our we love men. There's nothing wrong with men, but I have a thing about supporting women. And I, I think I believe a lot of our students are women. And we need to block out the limiting beliefs that we're not enough, whatever's being told, and to really step into who we are. And just like I said during the Real Summit speech during the Women's Summit, women need role models. Women are not presenting themselves in a way that I can look up to them and go, I want to be like them. I'm still looking at, I only have businessmen mentors. Come on, guys. We need to get our stuff together. We need to realize what our goals are in life, what we want to be doing, and we need to go after them. And we need to make a presence about it because other women need to see that it's possible. So for those of you listening to it, if you are a woman, if you're a man who's got a mother, help them out. Let's really like, let's make it known that if you are a woman, no matter your gender, your sexuality, whatever it might be, that you can be successful if you put the work in. So I think there's a lot going on with that right now. But do you know what I will say is I've never been more proud to be a woman in today's day and age. I would not want to be a man. I think the set of challenges I fight will make me a better, stronger person and make me better in business. So I'm thankful for it. Well, I'm incredibly inspired because I guess I created a role model for myself because just listening to you. Uh, you weren't around when I was younger and I remember fighting a lot, uh, still fighting on some level to be taken seriously. And then to also Every still day. look like a woman. I enjoy Every daily fight. Every yeah. business deal I do, I, we do business with a lot of, all the companies we work with are all, I don't work with a lot of women. I would love to, they're just not out there. And I work with a lot of men owned business and I can literally feel that I am not a man when working with them, that I'm not part of this boys club because I don't get invited to go to drinks afterwards because that's awkward for their wives or whatever it might be. Or I don't, get invited. I don't get invited. I, there's things that I will never be able to do business as well as these businessmen do with each other because I'm not part of this boys club, which is why Let's create a girls club. Like, I don't need to be doing business with men then. I can do business with all women, but I need women to pick up their game a little bit and be serious. But then here's the thing. There's plenty of amazing women in business. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. I just don't know about them because we are not pushing ourselves out into the public eye where we are and it's not impacting or landing the same way. What are the, well, I mean, I could do a whole show on women in business and be like, okay, like to strategize, like, let's get some women together and be like, hey, guys, how do we get our voices out there? How do we 
at the equivalent, why is it when I think of motivational speakers, all I can think of is men? Why is it when I think of successful corporate owned companies, all I can think of is men. I can do uh, Ford and all, I mean, Roth children, I mean, go down the list. Where are the women? And so not only do we need to become, I don't know if it's about a more successful thing, we just need to become more well-known because I know, I think I would be in a lot different place in business if I had more women role models to look up. Like I have Forbes, which I'm very grateful for, but we do two different things in business. I need a business woman mentor who's got it going on. I can be like, I want to be like her one day and I can coach with her. That's what, that's, that's my dream. We have about two minutes left to the end of the show, which went by too quickly. I'd love to tell everybody, I know you're in a different city right now. You're in Vegas. I know what you're drinking. What are you drinking? Water. Yeah. Do you know, do you drink soda? No. Yeah. We have a whole story about why you drink water and how more kids, we don't have time to do that though. Would you be open to doing a part two of this interview? I would love to, but I also want to tell everybody that tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, we're celebrating Forbes Riley's birthday party. Yes, if you're listening listening live, guys, go to www.happybirthdayforbes.com. But this is going to live a lot long beyond us. I want we we only got two minutes left. Where do people find us and how do they know, how can they clue into what we're up to? Go. So I am just, I am not the best representation of how women should be on social media. I don't have social media. I'm working on it. No, so why don't you, everybody, go follow Forbes, stay connected with Forbes, follow the podcast, add this to your favorites, tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. You're not going to want to miss this. We have amazing guests come on. And, I mean, Forbes Riley is just one of the most inspirational and impactful women. And as a woman in business, if you are looking for a mentor, look no further. Forbes Riley is one of the greatest business infomercial pitch people in the world, not just of women, out of men, women, they, whatever, whatever it is, is one of the best in the world. So if you're serious about business, you want a role model, you want a parent role model who raised, I own a seven figure business. My brother just started a SaaS company. You want to learn how to raise kids? I recommend checking out and hanging around Forbes Riley. I love you. We've got 30 seconds left. McKenna, you are definitely the the product of of my determination, consistency, you just flying on your own. And I'm just, I'm so proud of you. I just want to say that very much. I could listen to you talk all day and judging by our social media right now, which is blowing up. A lot of people want to listen to you. So thank you very much for taking your time out of your very busy day to be part of this. Um, I love that we give more than we get. Guys, go to ForbesRiley.com. You'll find how to get to my radio show, how to take classes with us. And every Sunday since COVID hit for two hours every Sunday, I teach a live in interactive training on how to pitch. You won't want to miss that. It's called Pitch Secrets Master Class. All the notes are here. And, you know, just think bigger. When I listen to the way McKenna talks, have a vision for the world, a vision for your life. And above all else, stop playing small. You matter more than you ever knew you did but only when your self-talk tells you so. So I'm going to tell you that you're amazing, you're wonderful, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Till then, be well, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for making the Forbes Factor an important part of your week. Be sure to join Forbes Riley again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you again soon.